to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. If you haven't become a member, the time to do so is now by going to MixLR.com backslash DT, where many of you are at right now listening into the show, and I appreciate that, and clicking follow become a member of the show and by becoming a member you can chat with us in a live chat room ask your questions if you have fantasy football questions for example inside of the fantasy football power hour with myself and Mike Sofka you can feel free to ask us live inside of the chat room and of course you get emailed when the show goes live when you're a member so you never miss a live moment of the show again with that being said let's bring him into the show fantasy football power hour in the second hour of every single Thursday broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. In and out of season, we are talking football because fantasy football never sleeps, it never dies, it's always here, and we're so happy that you are listening in to the Fantasy Football Power Hour every single week leading up to your draft this offseason. We have done our best, Mike and I, to bring you each division each week telling you what we think about each of the teams in the division. So we broke it down by division so that we could spend plenty of time on each of the teams within that division. So we started with the AFC and did the AFC East, West, North, and South. We've done the NFC East and the NFC West. Today is the NFC South. So we will be covering the Carolina Panthers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Atlanta Falcons, as well as the New Orleans Saints. If you're not a fan of any of these teams, it doesn't matter. Because you shouldn't be drafting your fantasy team based on who you're a fan of. You should be drafting based on who you think is going to help you win a championship when it all comes down to it. So Mike and I breaking down each division each week. We got two more to go, one of them today, to get you set for your draft. And with that being said, Mike Sofka is of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. You can go there and ask him questions, get information, and work with him to help yourself out to help you and guide you in winning a championship this coming season. Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com with plenty of different draft kits and packages to help you be successful in your fantasy football league this year. And this entire hour is brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub, which hosts our drafts live on location in Central New York of all of the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Leagues that are based here in Central and Upstate New York. So we thank you so much for joining those. And like I said, there's minimal space left. So if you want to join, fantasyfootballdt at gmail.com. With that being said, Mike is here with us to talk NFC South. Mike, how are you doing this morning? Awesome. How are you doing? Doing very well. And, you know... Micah, before you came on here, I likened what the Toronto Raptors are doing to the scene in Liar Liar, and it's funny because one of my listeners wrote it not even knowing that we had made that analogy, but I liken it to Liar Liar in the bathroom scene where he's beating himself up. Does that seem like an accurate assessment of Toronto right now? It would appear that way, and you know, I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, but yeah, it would appear that way. You know, it makes reminds me of uh of a situation like a movie like somebody with multiple personalities where in a year from now they're gonna no that wasn't me i didn't say that we didn't do that you know so it's it i'm waiting for the next shoe to drop so it, it should be interesting to watch everything play out in toronto and yeah and mike and i were talking about this we try to give people the benefit of the doubt but sometimes sometimes <laughs> it just yeah man Sometimes, you know, you give certain people too much credit. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Toronto is 
making these moves behind the scenes and being smart and hip to the game and making it happen. But, you know, I'm cautiously terrified about some of the decisions that they've made lately and, you know, what they've allowed to let walk out the door looks a little bit suspect at this point. But with the- only in the NBA, only in the NBA can you can you let go of the, one of the best coaches and the best player and and be looking looked at like, yeah, we're trying to head in the right direction. Yeah, you know, if you do the, and that's right. If you do it in the NFL, if Bill Belichick, if the if 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 Bob Kraft said, "I'm get, I'm letting go Bill Belichick. I don't want him to be our coach anymore and I'm trading away Tom Brady." He would be known as one of the biggest buffoons in the history of the NFL. He would be trading away championships, just utter stupidity if he let Bill Belichick and Tom Brady go. But in the NBA, somehow it makes sense, I guess, to some people to do something like this. But if you did this in the NFL, you can't. There's 11 guys on the field at a time for your team. If you let go of your best players, your star players, more often than not, there's a lot of head scratchers. And, I mean, there's not – the Jacksonville Jaguars, we liken it like this. It's like Jacksonville trading away Leonard Fournette. It's like Green Bay trading away Aaron Rodgers. It wouldn't make any logical sense to your franchise, to your fan base, or anything of that matter. But yet, it's happening in the NBA, and we're watching it unfold right now. So, Mr. Sofka, it is time to talk about the NFC South. I'm going to start with the Carolina Panthers, and I'm going to start with the quarterback situation. I don't know if you know this guy, but his name is Cam Newton. Apparently, he's played in the NFL for a little while, and he's had some good moments when it comes to helping somebody out in their fantasy life, but he's also had some rough patches as well. What do you think about the quarterback situation in Carolina? Well, I think they improved their team overall, so I think that's going to help. I think they've... uh... You know, having Greg Olson back, who's only led the team in receptions for the past, I don't know how many years, you know, up until his injury. So this is a team that depends on the quarterback and the running game. Now, they brought in Christian McCaffrey last year, and he had, he had challenges right between the tackles. He had, I think he ran like 3.6 yards or something, but he did he did catch the ball well, and that's, that was the idea with him, get him the ball in space and let him catch the ball outside. But, you know, as far as quarterback play goes you need that running back and you need that inside run game well what they do well McCaffrey put on some weight they're going to dedicate him to running between the tackles and they brought in CJ Anderson too so a good running attack complements the passing attack well they needed some help in the passing attack so they bring in DJ Moore who was off the charts almost in my adjusted explosive index, he's one of the top players in that. And what that is, is again, if you haven't heard this before, it's a ranking of the players, the rookies, as they come out. And you adjust for things, height, weight, 40-yard dash, vertical jump, broad jump. Anyway, it's a mathematical equation, but it's proven that if a certain score is met, that you know you you end up being a, a, a Pro Bowl-type player. So... Long story short, he was on the top of the charts there, so that's going to help because I really don't think of a Funches. I, I I really don't think that a Tory Smith or or a true number one threat. So him, Cam Newton's ability to run is his number one thing. He ran for over seven hundred yards last year. He passed for like thirty three hundred yards. He runs. He gets rushing touchdowns. He makes things happen. So. Yeah, Cam Newton's a number three quarterback, in my opinion, regardless of your scoring system, whether it's four-point or six-point touchdowns per pass, because, well, Cam Newton can run the ball as well. 
Well, and that's the thing is that Cam Newton can provide for you that running back help. If for some reason your running backs go down, you didn't draft your running backs well, whatever it may be on your roster, Cam Newton's going to give you something. And that is the expectation and the thought process of Cam Newton is that he's going to more often than not give you something, provide for you some type of help, whether it be passing the ball or running the ball. And a lot of times, you know, he is running the ball. And with Jonathan Stewart gone, you know, Jonathan Stewart was was a true runner that I thought was wildly inconsistent. So I wasn't a big fan of having him on my fantasy team. But he was a guy who wanted to run the ball. And when you have a quarterback like Cam Newton, it doesn't really help you out. With Christian McCaffrey, because he can catch it out of the backfield and he's kind of that hybrid wide receiver as well, this helps out Cam Newton because Cam is not relying. Well, the First and foremost, Cam Newton at the end of the day, beginning of the day, middle of the day, he's going to do what he wants to do. He's going to run the ball the way he wants to run it. He's going to keep it in his hands when he wants to keep it in his hands. And sometimes that's a lot of the time. So with Christian McCaffrey, you draft Christian, you don't have to worry about the fact that Cam Newton's taking carries away from him because when he does pass that ball, Christian can be there. And, you know, Mike talked about last season and Cam Newton did pass for 3,302 yards and ran for 754 yards. He had six touchdowns on the ground, 22 touchdowns through the air. So almost 30 touchdowns on the season while gaining you 4,000 yards or yeah, 4,000 total yards from passing and rushing. So you look at a quarterback that's giving you 4,000 yards and 28 touchdowns, that's good fantasy value. So obviously, if Cam Newton's out there, he is draftable. He's frustrating when it comes to other players on the team because he likes to keep the ball in his hands, and he's frustrating to Panthers fans, I'm sure, sometimes because of that. But as far as yardage and getting you some touchdowns, it's helpful. Now, if you have a league that looks to interceptions and penalizes you for that, Just keep in mind the fact that he has double-digit interceptions every season he's been in the league, and the least he's ever had is 10. The most he's ever had is 17, and he was one under his highest with 16 last season. Just to let you know, if you lose a point or two, but with getting 4,000 yards and 28 touchdowns last season, I think it's worth the risk. Running back-wise, I know you alluded to it a little bit here, Mike, but they have Christian McCaffrey. They have Cameron Artis-Payne, who they drafted in 2015. They're still waiting to see something out of him. And they brought in C.J. Anderson as a free agent and former number one guy in Denver, just casually comes over to Carolina. What are your thoughts on this, as well as Kenyon Barner, who came over from Philadelphia after winning a Super Bowl? Yeah, you know, I I like the C.J. Anderson thing because I think it – keeps down the odometer, keeps some mileage down on Christian McCaffrey. I still think this is McCaffrey's team. I think they're going to make a dedicated effort to have him run more between the tackles, putting on the additional five or six pounds of so-called muscle. Um, you, you know, Cameron Artis Payne, the jury's still out. You know, Elijah Hood, I, I, I don't even know who this guy is in reality. So, you know, the only threats to run the ball are Christian McCaffrey and C.J. Anderson. And Christian McCaffrey is a guy that you can go to the bank on in a PPR-type situation because that's what he does. He catches the ball. But he can also run the ball. I think being another year under his belt, he's going to have more confidence in himself as a runner. And I think they're going to have more confidence in him. Cam Newton's going to have confidence in him. The coaching staff's going to have more confidence. You know, and you know, I think it's going to all work out for Christian McCaffrey. So definitely in a PPR, Christian McCaffrey guy, you know, it, 
even if you're not in a PPR situation, he's still a borderline RB1 slash uh, high-end RB2. But in a PPR league, he's definitely an RB1. Yeah, you know, Christian McCaffrey, in my opinion, if you're going to get, you know, help, like you said, in a PPR points per reception and whatnot, if you're going to get some help there, that if you're in a league like that, it's great. We're in a standard league, but we do give you, you know, every 10 yards running the ball, every 10 yards on receiving yards and whatnot, you do get points for that. So Christian McCaffrey is going to help you on both sides of this. Like I said, he's a hybrid. So with being a hybrid, he has the opportunity to have a ceiling that is somewhat limitless where other players are going to hit a certain place and maybe stop. He's a guy that can continue to go. And like I said, being on a team with a guy like Cam Newton who likes to keep the ball in his hands a lot of the time, when he does release it, when he does let go of it, it's nice to be a multifaceted, versatile guy that's not just a simple like C.J. Anderson hand the ball off. So C.J., you know, this is a guy that I probably let sit on waivers. Maybe I draft him low as a handcuff or something like that in round 15 and whatnot. But Christian McCaffrey is a guy who I would take in the early rounds. I like what he can be for this team. And I like the fact that very young in his career, only his second season in the NFL, they are looking to make him the guy, which says a lot about their faith in him and their thoughts on him as we move forward. Wide receivers, Devin Funches, DJ Moore, who as a rookie coming in, drafted in the first round, 24th overall, you would imagine that this is a guy that they're hoping will be the future of the team as they did put their eggs in the Kelvin Benjamin basket and it didn't work out. Torrey Smith was a trade from Philadelphia. So another eagle is onto the team. Curtis Samuel, who was drafted last year and did not have a consistent season, wasn't out there consistently. He was drafted last season out of Ohio State and the jury's still out on him. Jarris Wright is on the team. Damier Bird, Moses, or Mose Frazier, as well as Rasheed Bailey and Austin Duke. Really, the players in this, Devin Funches, DJ Moore, Torrey Smith, and Curtis Samuel. On paper, it doesn't look bad because Samuel is was a high draft pick, and so was Funches. DJ Moore, also a high draft pick, and Torrey Smith's had some success in his career, yet we stand where we stand today, where I think there's more question marks than security. What do you think about the wide receivers? Well, I like DJ Moore a lot. Again, he, he topped the adjusted explosive index that I use at a 102. And again, to recap what that is, you add the player's height, weight, vertical jump, and broad jump. Then you divide by the 40-yard dash time. Now, to be fair, there's a couple guys who had incomplete scores like Dante Pettis, uh, Anthony Miller. But, you know, I got 12 other guys on the list here, and he just tops the list. What that means, if you're a 106, you end up – with the likes of Pro Bowl players that have topped that chart before, like a Calvin Johnson, Andre Johnson, Julio Jones, Vince Jackson, guys of that caliber. And he's real close. He's, he's a distance away from everyone else as well, except for DJ Chark. So DJ and DJ topping that adjusted explosive index. Look, Devin Punches isn't a number one. He's a solid number two. He's a great number two. Torrey Smith. Not a number one, but occasionally he can help you stretch the field. Curtis Samuel was spotty last year. He was able to show up at times. Jarius Wright, I you know, I, I got to see something from guys to, to make a mention. But I would really say that DJ Moore, by the end of the year, has what it takes to become the number one there in Carolina. And he has a bright future as long as he keeps that same trajectory. But, you know, I think that as a group collectively, they're going to be solid. 
but they still got some growing to do. They still got some things to do. Funches is still young. Torrey Smith argued beyond his way out. Curtis Samuel's still real young. So this is a young group with still a relatively young quarterback and a young running back. So there could be some excitement here if they can play off each other well. Yeah, you know, there could be some excitement here. There could be some steals in this thing if if they do. You know, like I said, Torrey Smith, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, Devin Funches. There's there's the thought that something could happen, but Funches to me, he's not the number one guy. He's a number two or three guy. He is not consistent by any stretch of the imagination. DJ Moore, when you draft somebody in the first round, 24th overall, you're giving that opportunity. You're saying to DJ, you could be the number one guy. We may expect you to be the number one guy. You don't spend first round money unless you believe that you don't have a number one guy on your roster. That's how I look at it. Or you're trying to load it, but more often than not, you draft a wide receiver in the first round, you're looking for the future of your franchise. So DJ Moore's got big show. I mean, he, he's got to put some stuff on his shoulders and make it happen. Torrey Smith, also from Maryland, like DJ Moore, like Mike said, I agree, he's on his way out. You know, he, he has been all around the block. And, you know, with Baltimore and San Francisco and Philadelphia, and now here he sits in Carolina. And I don't imagine that Torrey Smith will be playing more than the next couple seasons. Curtis Samuel is a guy that, you know, I really, I thought about him too as being a hybrid but it depends on how they utilize him. I don't know if he's worth a draft pick for you. I don't know if Torrey Smith is. Devin Funches, somebody will take him at some point. But I think, I, I mean, I agree with Mike. I think that DJ Moore has the chance to be the number one guy. I think that, you know, the way that the, where they drafted him says that there's an expectation of him moving forward. And this could be a very fun wide receiver core. This could be something special. But there's a lot of question marks going into it, and it's whether or not you want to roll the dice on this. If I'm going to roll the dice on anybody, I'd probably roll it on DJ Moore because Devin Funches, as much as it might be an attractive pick to some people, look at his career, look at what he's done. The consistency is not there by any stretch of the imagination. Next up, and he had the chance. It's not like he didn't have the chance. Calvin Benjamin was not doing what he needed to do. There were other guys there that left the door wide open, and Devin didn't take it. Tight end-wise... It's obviously Greg Olson or bust. Greg Olson is is has been in the season for more than a decade at this point. He is the favorite wide receiver of Cam Newton. What are your thoughts on Greg Olson now? Well, depending on where you look or you know how you look at it, he's been ranked by you know other folks out there as high as three, as low as seven on a tight end chart. He's number four on mine behind. You know, the obvious guys, Kelsey, Gronk, and Hurts. You know, when you lead the team in receptions for, a, you know, a good handful of years, there's still some some hope that you're going to be a, a, a top guy. I'm surprised he's not one of those guys like Jimmy Graham trying to get wide receiver money for leading the teams in receptions for so many years. But, yeah, it's, it's Greg Olson or Bust with Carolina. You saw what happened in that position there last year when he went out, you know, Cam went, you know, his numbers dipped as well. The team dipped as well. So he's an integral part of the team, and uh, you can heavily invest in Greg Olson. I wouldn't go spending stupid money on him. I wouldn't I wouldn't dra- overdraft him, but I think this is a guy that can really lead you on your way. Once Kelsey, Gronk, and Ertz gets picked, you go ahead and snap up Olson. You'll be happy. Yeah, you know, for me, and I agree, I don't think he's, he's worth taking extremely early, but – you know, depending on how many teams you have in your league, we like to keep it 10 to 12. 
because we feel that that's fair. It leaves people out there that you can pick up. So in my opinion, when I see this, I say, okay, you know what? If Greg Olson's available in the fourth round, I'd look at him there. Not in the first round, not in the second round. I'm not making a run on tight ends, but maybe in the fourth round, I take care of some business. I do what I need to do. Maybe I pick up Greg. Maybe it's in the fifth or sixth, but you know, I don't think he's a guy that necessarily is going to go extremely early. Depends on if people freak out and start taking tight ends when someone goes after Gronk. But ultimately, Greg Olson, when he's healthy, has remained one of the more consistent bets for you to make. With that being said, we hop in the NFC South from Carolina to Tampa Bay. And once again, the man is 102 years old, God bless him, but he's the starting quarterback of another franchise for another season. And that's Ryan Fitzpatrick, because Jameis Winston's been suspended for three games. And some people want Jameis Winston off the team for everything that's gone on in the background. And Jameis Winston's been in the news for some not-so-great stuff. And sometimes people believe it. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes he's gotten off with it. Sometimes there's been a price to pay. This time it's a three-game suspension. What do you think about the quarterback situation in Tampa Bay, Mike? Well, there is some swirling rumors in Florida that, you know, not so fast with Ryan Fitzpatrick that it might be Ryan Griffin. And I don't buy that for a minute because how can a guy be in two places at one time? How can he quarterback Tampa Bay and be a tight end for Houston? No, that's the comedy portion of the fantasy football. (laughs) Listen, the bottom line is this. I don't believe they're going to put a rookie at quarterback. They're going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick. The guy's got some tread left on the tires. The guy has a lot of usage on the tires. But at the same time, he's got a proven track record of being able to step in. Yeah, he likes to throw the long ball. Yeah, he throws some interceptions. But, you know, this is a Harvard guy. This is a smart guy. This is a guy who's capable of leading your team. And what they did was they beefed up the running game, and that's only going to help the quarterback situation. They beefed up the defense a little bit. They got some decent receivers. They got some decent tight ends. If Ryan Fitzpatrick can just get in there and manage the situation for the first three games, everything's going to be fine. And I think that's the way it's going to end up. Jameis Winston, it's a sad situation for him. Him. I think the bigger sadness is it appears that he wasn't truthful or trust, you know, of, of trustworthy with uh, with Tampa and the management, the ownership about the incident that happened with the uh, in, in the car service car. And I think that speaks volumes. I think that speaks for you know, do you want the keys to your organization? Do you want the face of your organization? Do you want the leader of your team? to be a guy that you don't trust. So I think that weighs more heavily than anything he's done on the field, especially because he came into the league with some, with some baggage and, you know, Tampa assessed the situation and felt it was a worthwhile risk. Well, this drops him the number 15 on my quarterback ranking. So that's a, you know, almost a mid range QB too. I think he's bound to have some success with the weapons around him: Ronald Jones, Peyton Barber, Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, Adam Humphreys, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, Cameron Bray. He's going to have some sort of success. But, you know, unfortunately it's going to be tempered a little bit with that suspension. Yeah, you know, and the thing with Jameis Winston is, you know, it's like with Ben Roethlisberger. And I know it's different because Ben Ben had a couple instances that we know about. Jameis has had a bunch of different things from crab legs to BB guns to women and, and whatnot. And ultimately, you know, it's how much do you want to deal with this? How much do you trust? How much is real? How much is not? If it continues to happen and he was innocent the first time and innocent the second time and it comes up again, 
you know, and you see this pattern, you start to wonder, is there some truth to it? What is going on? So, you know, in the Jameis Winston thing, his career could be cut short before it even truly honestly begins, but it's, it's what Tampa wants to do. And this is the funny part of it. That's your starting quarterback. That's the guy that you drafted number one overall people. I don't want you to forget this. He was the first overall pick in 2015. He wasn't a first-round quarterback draft pick. He was a first overall pick in 2015. And so we could see the first overall pick three years ago maybe not be the starting quarterback on the team that drafted him if things continue to ensue, other things unfold, and, you know, there's some pushes, there's some buttons being pushed by some people out there. We don't know what could happen from here. So for Jameis Winston, it's going to be interesting. But Ryan Fitzpatrick has, has proven he can manage things. He is not the most consistent. If he has a good season, sometimes he has a bad one to follow. If he has too good, then he usually has a bad one to follow. So as far as statistics go, you know, he dips. But, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's funny. When you give him little opportunities and little chances, like three games, he makes it interesting. He makes it fun. I don't know if that makes him draftable. In in our leagues, you get the team quarterback. So if you're hoping Winston comes back with a vengeance and gets after it and stays out of trouble. Maybe this is a late round thing for you to make to have a third quarterback on your team, but it's definitely not your first. It's not your second, in my opinion. And I'm not a big fan of this quarterback situation in Tampa, but they do have weapons. So Ryan Fitzpatrick will have plenty to throw to running back wise. Here's an interesting room. Peyton Barber is out there and written as the number one right now before they jump into camp. Ronald Jones, though, was drafted in the second round, 38th overall this year. Jacquez Rogers has proven that he can get it done coming from Atlanta where he was in the basement to a Tampa Bay team where every time somebody got hurt, injured, or suspended, he stepped in and did well, and they've always repaid him by putting him at the bottom of the depth chart when everybody comes back. Charles Sims is still on this team, but I would imagine – that this is Ronald Jones for the taking. Peyton Barber has not been a guy that you can trust for, you know, big-time yardage. And Jacquez Rogers, the sad part of it is he does his job when he's asked to do his job, but they take it away from him all the time, and it brings a lot of fantasy frustration. So how do you think it all plays out? And is Ronald Jones, is this really the Ronald Jones show at this point? I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. I think it's got to be. Look, Ronald Jones does not catch the ball out of the backfield. Well, he does. They just didn't do it at USC. They didn't do it enough. When they did, he could catch the ball out of the backfield. That wasn't what his job was, so that's not what he did. But when he did catch the ball out of the backfield, I think he only had like 30 targets when he was there. He was able to convert. So I think that's going to be huge, how well he catches the ball, how his pass blocking is. I think it's huge. If you're a running back in the NFL, you have to have the pass blocking down. Peyton Barber's got a leg up on him in that stance. However, once they see Ronald Jones cut loose on the field, and once he starts to break away a few, and once he starts to flip tackles, once he starts to run some people over with that powerful running style he has, I think things are going to change. I think he'll be the number one running back. Now, Peyton Barber is still going to be there to split some time. And then Charles Sims, you know, has been somewhat of a disappointment as well, but he's he's been injury prone as well. So, they more or less have a committee type thing. You mix in a little Jacquez Rogers. He's going to return a lot of kicks, but he's also going to be in play as well. So I think they're going to, I, I, I don't want to say slow down Ronald Jones. But they're going to try to make sure he's not the the workhorse and try to have a committee thing. And that's the frustrating thing. And I think that's going to 
take a little of the scoring off Ronald Jones. I've got him right now struggling to stay in an RB2 status, even though deep down inside I feel like he's going to be the guy. I just think it's going to be murky and muddy for a little while. Yeah, you know, I, I think Ronald Jones is a sleeper in, 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 in this sense right now to pick him up and to stash him away. I think he'll help you out. I think that, you know, you may look very smart to draft somebody like him and stash him. So I like Ronald Jones in this. Uh, Peyton Bar. it depends on how they split the carries up. It depends on what they do. Are they going to play Barber, Jones, and Rodgers? Are they going to let them all play? Jacquez Rodgers is a guy that gets the job done. He is somebody who is more than capable of going to bat for you and getting a few hits and improving that on-base percentage, so to speak, to make that to make that baseball analogy for this running back. He is there for you when you need him. So, but it's all in how they use him. Jacquez is never he's not taken off the field when he underperforms. He's taken off the field when they want to play somebody else. And that's the frustrating part of it for me. So I don't think Peyton Barber is the guy. I would say it's Jones and Rogers. But if I was feet to the fire right now, what I would do is I would take Jones, I'd stash him, and I'd watch him as he goes. And as he improves and gets better, and you need somebody in the middle of that season, late in the season, to help you out, and you throw him in there, and he starts being your catalyst, I think that that's what Ronald Jones can be this year as a rookie. Mike Evans for Tampa Bay, Deshaun Jackson, Adam Humphreys, Chris Godwin, Justin Watson. Justin Watson was drafted out of Penn in the fifth round of this year's draft. Freddie Martino, free agent from Philly in 2016. Bobo Wilson from Florida State, undrafted free agent in 2017. A free agent, Jake Lampman, is also on the team from Ferris State. Chris Godwin, Penn State, 2017 third-round pick from Tampa. Undrafted free agent, Adam Humphreys from Clemson. In 2015, Deshaun Jackson came over from the Redskins as a free agent, and Mike Evans has been on the team since he was drafted in the first round out of Texas A&M in 2014 as the seventh overall pick. What are your thoughts on the wide receivers? Yeah, it's Mike Evans. I mean, Mike Evans is the guy. He's a wide receiver one that you can take on your team. He's not a uh, you know a, a top end wide receiver one, especially because of the Jameis and you know, issues. He's going to be without that quarterback for a little bit. So I think he's arguably up there near the top five, maybe even five or six for me, but he's number eight right now. And I think that this is a guy who, well, you know, as the quarterback goes, he goes, if they're able to throw the ball, well, he does well. He's the leading, he's the leading receiver on the team. Deshaun Jackson, I think he's getting a lot of mileage on the tires there. He's still a speedster. He can still stretch the field. But, you know, I don't feel confident with him being my wide receiver, too, maybe a three or a four. And with that being said, I think Adam Humphreys is a sneaky play. You know, I like Chris Godwin. I like what what he brings to the table. But I think Adam Humphreys has the the coaching behind him, and that's huge. The coaches have come out and said that he's probably going to be the primary player in the slot. And I think you're going to see more of that slot receiver, a la Julian Edelman. Uh, Amendola, those type guys, I think that's Adam Humphreys, and I think that's the role they're going to take. They're going to try to get mismatches with him. So I think it's going to be a good situation for Adam Humphreys. He could pull up even with a Deshaun Jackson fantasy-wise, again, being a wide receiver three, a wide receiver four for you. The other guys, you know, until I see something, I can't say anything. 
you know, a lot of names. We'll, we'll have to see. But it's pretty much Mike Evans as a wide receiver one. Deshaun Jackson, maybe wide receiver three. And uh, Adam Humphreys as a, as a three or four. Chris Godwin is the guy to stash away for dynasty, though. Yeah, you know, when I look at this, I mean, obviously it's the Mike Evans show. I agree with that. You know, Mike Evans has been one of the positive points for the team when he is healthy. He's the guy that can go up and get it in the end zone. So I like Mike Evans. I, I like, obviously, you know, picking him and you could draft him early. Adam Humphreys, you know, I, I am I am kind of there with you with Deshaun Jackson. I, I think that at times they could be interchangeable. And as far as their power ranking last season, they were relatively on the same line in the low 40s, you know, mid to low 40s. So, when, or mid to high 40s, I should say. So, you know, for me, if you draft either one of them, you know, there's going to be somebody else that they have to throw to besides Mike Evans. So, it's not a bad play. Humphreys is not a bad play in this thing. But Mike Evans is the guy. He's the one that, you know, they Statue of Liberty to. I mean, that's, that's what it is. He's the one that they throw the ball up to in the corner of the end zone, front of the end zone, back of the end, whatever it may be. He's the one that they trust. So Mike Evans is your number one, and Jackson and Humphreys are kind of fighting for that other spot. Cameron Brait and O.J. Howard. We still haven't figured out who the guy's going to be. Cameron Brait's had some good moments. O.J. Howard's had some good moments. But yet, we are where we are today. They played with two different quarterbacks, and one of them shines, and then the other one's quiet, and vice versa. What do you think about this? Yeah, I think it's. I think these guys are still neck and neck, you know. And it's amazing. Brait's got a year or two or a couple years on OJ Howard, but I think you're going to see a changing of the guard here. I think it's going to be flipped a little bit. I think OJ Howard's going to edge out Cameron Brait by year's end. So if you're in a dynasty or a keeper situation, that might be something to look at. If you're left with the choice of OJ Howard or Cameron Brait, if I'm in a dynasty situation, I may not want either one of those guys. But if I have to choose between the two, it would be OJ Howard for the long haul. I'd still stick with the one that brought me. I'd still stick with the one that's been most successful for me. So it's almost a coin flip between the two. If I'm in a if I'm in a regular league where it's a redraft, I might go Cameron Braid or flip a coin. But if I'm in a keeper dynasty, I'll go OJ Howard. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's a toss-up. I think if somebody drafts one, you draft the other. I mean, I, I, that's how I look at it right now. I wouldn't draft them both because, to me, handcuffing your tight end position is not a smart thing to do. It's kind of a waste of time. But, you know, when we look at the statistics for both of these guys last season, you know, O.J. Howard ended the season with 432 yards and six touchdowns. Cameron Brait ended the season with 591 yards and six touchdowns. So Brait had more of the yardage, but they both had the same amount of touchdowns. I don't think it can go wrong either way. I still don't have either one of them as a number one. I think that they have to prove to me that they could be a number one tight end on any fantasy roster, but they are worth that look as your reserve and your number two guy. Mike and I will take a step aside in the Fantasy Football Power Hour, proudly powered by the Wildcat Sports Pub and the Penn and Trophy Center. The Wildcat Sports Pub is where we draft and where we have our leagues and where we watch our games on Sundays, Thursdays, and Mondays. And on top of all of that, the Penn and Trophy Center provides the Vince Lombardi Championship Trophy and, of course, the Toilet Bowl to last place. So thank you to the Penn and Trophy Center and the Wildcat Sports Pub. If you have not signed up, fantasyfootballdt at gmail.com. Very limited space is left. Three leagues locked up, one league to go. Fantasyfootballdt at gmail.com. Very, very few spaces left. We'll take a fast break. We'll come back with more analysis of the fantasy value of the NFC South with the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. Here with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame Fantasy Football.com. And of course, 
myself, Dan Tortora of WakeUpCallDT.com. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Consistency is, well, consistently hard to find. Unless you head to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, the home of the Penn and Trophy Center, who has been serving us Central and Upstate New Yorkers, as well as beyond, for decades. The Penn and Trophy Center on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, gives you an amazing and unique way to customize a memory today. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. Be it an Employee of the Month award, a sports award, something for your business, engraving for your family, your loved ones, anniversaries, birthday parties, and so much more, including remembering somebody who served in the military. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. The definition of consistency is Penn and Trophy. Browse their products on penandtrophy.com. That's penandtrophy.com. And call them for more information at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcall. DT hanging out with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Thank you so much for being patient with us as we were on the road in Charlotte, North Carolina, covering the Atlantic Coast Conference and all 14 teams within it for football, and then going over to Jacksonville and shooting some stuff on site at the new TIAA Bank. And I say the new because TIAA just put their name on it after buying Everbank Field, but same field, Daly's Place is right there, same digs, folks, and uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, bringing back the majority of that team that almost hit, almost got that that opportunity inside of the Super Bowl. So bringing back the majority of those components as they look to surge forward and past the opposition and into the Super Bowl this time around. Very excited about this. Always excited to talk with Mike Sofka. And Wake Up Calls Fantasy Football Challenge Florida League is approaching a decade of being there. I thank you. I appreciate you for all of your time and everybody that's a part of that league, including Mike Sofka, because it it means the world to me. It, it truly, I've never let go of the league, always kept it running, kept it going, kept in touch with everybody, 
And, you know, we're working our, our butts off to make sure that we'll all be in front of one another hanging out in August and drafting together because that, uh, to me, means the most. And then here in Syracuse, New York, we'll have four leagues minimum at the Wildcat Sports Pub on 3680 Milton Avenue. So fantasy football all over the place. Mike and I love talking about it. We love the head-to-head matchups. We love all the games, and we love seeing if if we're right and we lead you in the right direction because we do the research and and fight our butts off to make sure that we take care of you and your fantasy team and do the best we can. So nothing's foolproof, but we do the best to get you set up and ready for your draft and then ready throughout the season and in the offseason as well. We have done the NFC South today. We've already covered the Carolina Panthers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we now move over to the Atlanta Falcons, who have this guy Matt Ryan as their starting quarterback, and Matt Schaub, who used to be the starter in Houston. He's backing up Matty Ryan once again, and then Garrett Grayson's on the team from Colorado State. Thoughts on the quarterback situation and where Matt Ryan is currently in his career? You know, I like Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan's deserving of the accolades and the money he's gotten in the in the past. However, you know, he, he, he's proven to me that, well, he can't get it done when I need him the most. I'll be quite frank with you, I was heavily invested in Atlanta last year in one or two leagues and I just feel like the whole system broke down everything let me down I feel Julio Jones didn't have a year I feel that the running backs didn't have their year I feel that Matt Ryan didn't have his year and you got to expect for them to bounce back a little bit but I gotta wonder is this the beginning of the end for Matt Ryan and the Falcons ever since they gave up that lead you know in the Super Bowl to to, to New England, I, I mean, it just—it's—it's it's amazing to me. Go back two years, this is a totally different team. Go back three or four years, totally different team. But I think the age is starting to show. I don't think that Matt Ryan's in danger of losing his job. I don't think he's going to be out this year. I just don't think that I can count on him right now to be a QB one for me. He might be a high end QB two, but you know, he's got the pieces and the weapons around him. For some reason, they're just not getting it done. And unfortunately, you know, for me, with a guy who's been out there a while and he starts to slip, that could be the first sign that things going bad in my book. And, you know, not to say that I wouldn't draft him, but there's some other options I'd prefer, definitely. Yeah, you know, Matt Ryan, to me, you know, he, he is that guy that I always go back and forth. Do I draft him? Don't I draft him when when he's available at a time where I think, you know, his value might be there. But to me, the value has dropped. He's he's not a quarterback I'm looking at in the second round or the third round or something like that. You know, he is somebody that I think has had a good career. He's had a fine career for the most part. But as far as, you know, consistency as he's gone on, I don't see him as a fantasy stud. I would draft Cam Newton above him in his division. So I would draft Drew Brees above him in his division. So at best, he's he's the third quarterback, in my opinion, in this division that I would go after because Tampa Bay, I'm just not a fan of Jameis Winston on or off the field right now, and I'm not a fan of Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, consistently. So, you know, Matt Ryan, for me, maybe he's a backup, but I – my gut, I trust my gut, and I kind of get led away from him and, and more towards some other quarterbacks around the country. Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, Edo Smith drafted in the fourth round out of Southern Miss. So there's something to be said about that, that they that they picked up another running back when they already have Tevin and Devontae. What do you think about this? Because people that draft one of them usually get pissed at some point during the season. So what are your thoughts? 
Well, my thoughts are what they've been the past several years. If you're in a PPR league, you know, you may want to take either one of these guys, but you may lean towards Devin Coleman because he's going to be the third down guy more so than not. Look, Devontae Freeman's a heck of a running back. I remember him at Florida State. Tremendous speed, tremendous tremendous athleticism, tremendous ability. But, you know, him and he, he and uh, Coleman kind of cannibalize each other. And that's not a bad situation. That's what the NFL has evolved to. You look around the league, there's a lot of one-two punches. You know, they tried to do this years ago with thunder and lightning and, 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 and power and finesse and all these different combinations. And the bottom line still the bottom line. Both these guys would be the number one running back on a lot of other teams. Atlanta's fortunate to have them. Uh, you know, I think Devontae Freeman's a, a low-end running back one, and I think Tevin Coleman's a low-end running back two. And that's only because, again, they cannibalize each other. But, you know, either one of them and or, you know, one or the other is capable of uh, uh, helping you on your team. I'm not sure you'd want both these guys. But, you know, if one of them goes down, for sure you're going to want the other. So, it's a tough situation to be in, but if you're going to draft one over the other, it's definitely Freeman first, but Coleman's not a bad guy to roster. No, you know, and I think that sometimes you draft one and you're always kind of looking at the other one. It's kind of like you invite that one girl to the dance, but you had that other girl that you were thinking about inviting, and you keep looking on the other side of the room and going, well, she kind of looks pretty in her dress. Well, she's she's dancing pretty cool. Well, she looks like she's having fun. Well, she has a great smile. But the girl I'm dating dances well. But she's fun. But she has a great smile. But she looks pretty in her dress. That's how I feel it is with Devontae Freeman and Devin Coleman. It's like, I like it. Do I like the other one more? How's that one doing this? So, I mean, to me, it, it goes back and forth. You, you, you like one one week. You like the other one another week. You, you have this feeling of... You know, should I go and try and grab Tevin Coleman when you're drafting, but you want Devontae Freeman? I wouldn't take them both because I don't know if that necessarily is going to help you out. And to me, it's it's not. I mean, if, if you do, then you're handcuffed to that, you know, literally and figuratively. So that's kind of an interesting situation. But in my opinion, I, I would lean a little bit more on Devontae Freeman. But if you end up with Tevin Coleman, there's nothing to cry home about. Julio Jones, wide receiver. Mohamed Sanu. Calvin Ridley drafted in the first round. Looked totally pissed off that he went 26 overall, not higher. Justin Hardy, also on the team still. That's kind of the players for me. Justin Hardy's tried to work his way up. He's got the second most career reception yards in the history of the NCAA behind another East Carolina product, and that being a man that is on the Buffalo team, and his name is Zay Jones. So Calvin Ridley, Justin Hardy, Mohamed Sanu, and Julio Jones. Thoughts on this? You know, Julio Jones is in a holdout right now, and you know I hope it doesn't last much longer. But, you know, if this goes on into the season, it's just going to damage him and, and what he can do for you on your team. Now, I don't blame him. He wants to get paid. He's, he's you know, he's, he's not very well paid. I think he's like the 13th or 15th receiver ranking in, in, in pay. I don't have it in front of me. But at the same time, he sees a Calvin Ridley coming in and, you know, maybe trying to be the heir apparent. I got news for Julio Jones. Calvin really didn't do too well on my adjusted explosive index. So maybe Julio wants to call me if that's an issue. Bottom line is Calvin Ridley 13th on my adjusted explosive index for wide receivers entering the league. What does that mean? It means Julio Jones is in no danger of losing his job anytime soon. Now, I know that that may not be the issue. Julio Jones is the number one. 
He's been a pro. He's been a top five receiver for how long? And he's still a top five receiver. And he still has the capability, even though Atlanta's been down in the scoring. Even though I just told you how bad things were in Atlanta, he's still number four on my ranking. So I think <laughs> a lot for Julio Jones. It really does. I like Julio Jones. Uh, you know, cross your fingers that this whole thing gets resolved with the contract. But Julio Jones is the, the number one. He could be your wide receiver one. I'm not high on Muhammad Sanu at all. Let me down last year. I think Calvin Ridley is maybe a wide receiver four on your team at this point. Definitely a guy on the radar for a dynasty or keeper league, though. The rest of the guys, they're just, you know, until I see something from a Justin Hardy or or, or Russell Gage or Marvin Hall or, or whoever else they have. You know, I, I can't, I'm not even going to worry about those guys right now. It's all Julio Jones. Yeah, for me, I, I like Julio Jones, but there's always that foot and ankle question mark. So if I draft Julio Jones, there's a chance that I might go and attack Calvin Ridley as well and put him onto the roster. Mohamed Sanu, he's not a bad get to have. I don't think he's a bad backup. I don't think he's a bad flex player. So I think these three guys can all help you out. I mean, Julio Jones is obviously the guy, and the Atlanta Falcons just put out that he is coming to camp, so that's a good sign. They put that out yesterday. But Kelvin Ridley, I do think he's worth. I think I think he's worthy of you sneaking him in there somewhere. Just so you know, remember that I suggested if you have Jones and you have Ridley and Jones goes down, then I feel like you're in good shape. And Mohamed Sanu, not a bad guy to back somebody up. Austin Hooper, he's the guy now. You know, Logan Paulson's behind him, Eric Saubert, and Alex Gray. Austin Hooper drafted in 2016 in the third round out of Stanford. You would like to think that he could be the big play opportunity. He's not that big, wide-bodied tight end. He's a guy that kind of looks more like a wide receiver that could break out into the open field and take off. Is this the year for Austin Hooper? Well, I hope it is. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, was a blip on the radar screen for a little bit. It looked like he was going to be somebody. We talked about him, you know, uncovered him, had his coming out party with us. And, you know, I think that this is a guy who can be a tight end, too, for you this year. You know, after the letdown last year, he was the bottom end tight end one for me last year. Again, across the board, did not perform, so I've adjusted accordingly. I've seen people rank Austin Hooper as high as 10. I've seen him as low as 24. For me, he's around a 16, so it's a you know mid-range tight end, too, for you. I think that um, you know if he's going to have a coming-out party, it's it's got to be this year for both him and Matt Ryan's sake. Yeah, you know, I think that this is a put-up-or-shut-up type of thing. I don't think he's your starting tight end. I think he's your backup tight end. But if you got him on your team and he finally breaks out, you're going to be happy that you did it. I don't think that you should pass him by if you've already taken care of your starting tight end. I don't think that this is a guy that you pass by. Or if it's Slim Pickens and he's still out there, I don't think you let him pass by in that situation. So he is worth drafting. I don't think he's your number one guy. I think that he could maybe get to that point. But I do agree with Mike on this. I think he has to. he's got to either do it this year or there's the threat that they could draft somebody else and, and move forward without him because, you know, this is 2018 and he's had a couple seasons to show himself and he hasn't done much but flashed once or twice in a pan and that's been it. New Orleans Saints, final thing in the NFC South. Drew Brees, if you know him. Tom Savage out of Pittsburgh. 
He leaves Houston as a free agent. He's been backing up Houston forever and trying to save Houston's butt. Well, he's not there anymore. JT Barrett, undrafted free agent, 2018, coming out of Ohio State. They had three quarterbacks there, folks, if you remember, one of them being JT Barrett at Ohio State. This is a nice little pickup for the New Orleans Saints, and Tom Savage is there as well. Drew Brees is obviously going to be your starter, but Tom Savage and JT Barrett for team quarterback, not a bad run here, and if you're in a keeper league and and these guys start to show themselves up, you know, maybe they're not a bad group to keep together because eventually Drew Brees is going to have to not play anymore, but as long as he is playing, he is the guy. What is your thoughts on him? Yeah, I like Drew Brees a lot. Somehow, some way, even last year when it looked like New Orleans had reinvented themselves by beefing up their defense and having that awesome one-two punch in Alvin Kamara and uh, Mark Ingram, you know, Drew Brees looked like his numbers were down for quite the year, but then you turn around at the end of the year, he has over 4,000 yards passing, which is pretty good. So he usually throws for about five. This is a guy who everybody's told him all his life he can't. You know, he, he almost didn't play again after the shoulder problems. He had he, he flirted with Miami, then he ended up going to New Orleans out of San Diego. And all he, all he did was, you know, win, 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 and win some more. This is a guy who knows how to get it done. This is a guy who I think can be one of the top three quarterbacks on any given day in the league. However, you know, that running game kind of tempers that a little bit. And that's okay because that's what he does. He wins. He does what the team needs him to do to make first downs. And when you make first downs, you score touchdowns. And when you score touchdowns, you win games. So I think Alvin Kamara is a nice extension because he gets those short passes off to him. I think the uh, Mark Ingram suspension is going to hurt a little bit, but it ironically could help Drew Brees because then they'll only be with Alvin Kamara in reality. But uh, I think they're trying to plug those holes. We'll talk about that in a minute when we talk running back. But I like Drew Brees. You could do a lot worse than Drew Brees. He's number six on my quarterback rankings. Keeping it breezy. He's a guy that I love to draft. Why? Because I don't like to play against him. So Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, I had them both on one team last year, and then Aaron Rodgers had to go and get himself injured. But I love these guys. And I think that Drew Brees is, (laughs) wow. We talk about numbers. We talk about a guy that withstands the test of time. I said this before on the show, and and I believe I've said it here with Mike on the show, that I, as, uh, you know, growing up, walked by my TV in my parents' house, and I looked at the TV, and they said Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers, and there was that notion that one of them was going to go, and when they ultimately chose Rivers over Brees for the Chargers, I stood in front of the TV as a young kid, and I said, I think they made a mistake, and I was Team Brees. Drew Brees has a ring, and Drew Brees, not that Phillip Rivers' numbers are bad, Drew Brees' numbers are ridiculously good. And look at this thing. This man is heading in. He's 18 years of experience in the NFL. 18 years. And in 2017-18, his completion percentage was the highest it has ever been in his career in the NFL. His completion percentage in almost 20 years was the highest it's ever been. And the man is 39 years old. Almost 40 years old, and his completion percentage has gone up. He's at 72%, 4,334 yards passing, 
23 touchdowns to eight interceptions. His numbers as a 39-year-old are numbers that I would take of anybody at any point in their career. Three, four, five years in, this guy's doing it at 39 years old. Drew Brees is a timeless classic, and I love him, and I'd put him on my team in a heartbeat. I love him as a player. I don't know him as a person, so I can't say I know him as an individual. love to talk to him someday, but the man that keeps New Orleans beat upright and keeps everybody listening to that smooth jazz and having some fun Yes, the team needs to get better, but fantasy value, it's right there with Drew Brees. Alvin Kamara, and, and I fig, and I did, I watched a video on this. That there's Kamara and Kamara, and apparently it's Kamara. So we finally learned. He said, say it like a Camaro, but put an A at the end. So Alvin Kamara, Terrence West, he says people call him both and that he uses both. Terrence West is on the team now, free agent from Baltimore, who spent time with Cleveland as well. Shane Vereen's on the team now. Boston Scott was drafted in the sixth round out of Louisiana Tech. Trey Edmonds is here. Mark Ingram has a four-game suspension, so he's not a conversation piece right now. But Jonathan Williams, who is on Buffalo, who looks somewhat promising and then got kicked off of Buffalo, he's on the roster. Trey Edmonds is on the roster out of Maryland. Boston Scott was drafted. Shane Vereen's there from the Giants and the Patriots. Terrence West is there from the Browns and the Ravens. And Alvin Kamara is there as well. This is a loaded backfield. And if Mark Ingram's not careful, Kamara could could take off with this thing. And maybe one of these other guys like Shane Vereen can help him out. Not that Mark Ingram is not talented and not that he hasn't gotten better with age like Drew Brees has, but... There's a lot of running backs on a team that really doesn't need more than Ingram and Kamara. All right. Here's here's the deal. If Shane Vereen, Jonathan Williams, Terrence West, and Trey Edmonds were good, they wouldn't have been available for New Orleans to sign them. And part sure. of the reason why they signed some of these guys is because of the suspension of Mark Ingram. Here's the bottom line. It's going to be Alvin Kamara, and they're going to pepper these guys in. These other guys are going to be committee guys. Don't waste your time with any of them. If you are going to waste your time with any one of them, and you're in a keeper dynasty situation, I would suggest Boston Scott. He has the most upside out of those guys. Now, the other guys may look better in practice. It may look like they've got a more solid resume. But, you know, just because you've worked at four or five places or a couple places and, you know, you're coming to me for a job doesn't mean I'm going to anoint you number one and you're going to magically become a number one running back and you're going to lead us these first three games while Mark Ingram's like, that's that's poppycock. Forget it. It's not going to happen. Here's the bottom line. Alvin Kamara is your guy. It's PPR or non-PPR. He's a number – what is he? I think he's number number five running back on my rankings. And – you know, with the suspension, the Mark Ingram thing, really, that hurts him a lot. He could be a, a top 10 running back as well. But being out those first four games is going to cost him. He's going to be a bottom end running back, too, at 23 on my ranking. So if he was healthy, you know, you would have both guys in the top 10. I mean, not healthy, but if he was available in those first four games, both of these guys would be a top 10. So heavily Alvin Kamara, they're going to manage his touches. They're not going to let him get overused. They're not going to let him get abused and injured. They're going to mix in these other guys, but Alvin Kamara is the guy. And then when Ingram gets back, it's going to be the one-two punch again. Yeah, I like this one-two punch. I called it arguably the best one in the NFL last season. I like Kamara. I like what he's doing. Terrence West, Shane Vereen, Boston. I agree, you know, with, with what Mike said in the sense of, they're just going to see who works for these four games. You know, they'll put Terrence West in there. If it's not working, they'll take him out. 
Shane Vereen will go in. They take him out. Boston Scott will go in. Trey Edmonds, Jonathan. They're going to try and figure out who makes sense because at the end of all this thing, it could be Ingram, Kamara, and then they only keep one of these other guys and let the other guys go. So, you know, the Kamara-Ingram show looks to be a promising thing if they can repeat what they did last year and maybe even improve it a little bit. But because Mark's out for four games, he does dip on the list. He's still worth drafting and stashing away. And and this is a handcuff I would take because Ingram and Kamara are doing some good stuff. Mark Ingram, before Kamara came in last season, had his best season ever in the NFL. Then Ingram and then Kamara came in and Ingram was still good. Kamara fought his way to be the number two guy. We were thinking maybe kickoff returns, punt returns, maybe catching the ball out of the backfield. Then they start running him more and more. And I said it on the show, Adrian Peterson doesn't make sense on this team. They need to get him out of the locker room because from the outside looking in, it looks like it's just a nuisance and it's going to mess up with something really good. And it doesn't always happen. Very rarely does it happen that an NFL team will listen to me that early. And I made that statement in the beginning of the year. And I was like, great, they'll probably wait till the end of the year and they'll suffer it. No, they waited a couple weeks. And I was like, well, they must have listened to Mike and I. Because they didn't keep on, they didn't hold on to Adrian Peterson, who seems to be more and more of a head case because nobody really seems to want him at this point. And Elvin Kamara became that number two guy, kicked butt, took names, and did some awesome stuff. So I like Ingram. I like Kamara. I would draft Kamara high. And, you know, West and Vereen and all that, they're just going to be out there in a rotator to just fill the space. And if New Orleans has to use four guys, to make up for the loss of Mark Ingram, then they'll do it. But, you know, I, I would I would expect Kamara to get the lion's share of the carries and the lion's share of the opportunities. Wide receiver-wise, Michael Thomas is now supposed to be the number one guy. He was drafted in the second round in 2016 out of OHIO State. Ted Ginn Jr. is back on the team for another season. Free agent out of Chi-Town, Cameron Meredith, who is their best receiver in recent history. He's on the team. Brandon Coleman's still here, and we're still waiting for him to show up. A undrafted free agent in 2014 out of Rutgers. Traquan Smith's on the team, drafted in the third round out of UCF. That team's pretty damn good. Tommy Lee Lewis, undrafted free agent in 2016. Austin Carr, Travis Durrell, and Josh Huff is on the team, but he's been suspended two games, so he's at the bottom of the depth chart right now because he won't be there for the first two. Thoughts on the receiving core of the Saints, Mr. Sofka? Yeah, I like Michael Thomas a lot. I think he's got what it takes to be a wide receiver one. You know, definitely somebody you can count on. He's the number five wide receiver on my rankings. I think he's going to explode this year. I think Ted Ginn Jr., if you're in a team that rewards return yards, this is a guy who gets it done because not only does he return kicks and punts, but he's also a receiver. Now now he might be the number two receiver on the team. So he had a pretty good year last year, so it's definitely a guy you want to consider you know, he's nowhere near wide receiver one status, but if, if you do have that scoring, always double-check your scoring. That's the number one thing you should do when you're playing. Know your scoring system so you know how to maximize it because that could change your rankings on players, and, and that definitely affects Ted Ginn and Ted Ginn fans. And Cameron Meredith, I think this guy should have been a number one a long time ago. Each of the last three years, his his career's ended, his years ended in injury, and I think that's hurt him and his progress. Uh, Traquan Smith, very promising, a lot of upside out of UCF. I like him a lot. He could be the number three receiver or even prove himself being number two receiver by the end of the year. Brandon Coleman might be on the way out. You know, when he was there with Cooks, I thought Coleman and Cooks, Cooks and Coleman, but 
you know, he just hasn't been able to stay on the field, hasn't been able to get things done. There, you know, the rest of those guys, you know, I, I've yet to see much of any of those guys, so I'm not even going to worry about them right now. But, yeah, Michael Thomas is, is the guy. That's the guy you want to focus on, followed by a, a, a Ted Ginn if you're in return yards, and if you're in dynasty, Smith is a guy to keep an eye on and, and maybe roster as a, as a future number one receiver. Yeah, you know, I think that there's a lot of value to this this receiving core because Ted Ginn is timeless. Another guy, you know, you got you got a guy like Mark Ingram who's gotten better with time. You got a guy with Ted Ginn who's still relevant with time. You have Drew Brees who's gotten better with time. So at each of these positions, there's there's some there's some fine wines on this team, so to speak. Nothing finer than the Drew Brees wine, but Ted Ginn, the long jet. I mean, I would think there was a part of me that thought he'd be retired by now. So I love what he's doing. I love that he has created for himself opportunities. He was a return man. He was going to be a return man. And now he's he could be the number one guy. He's the number two guy right now on some of these depth charts in New Orleans. So I like Ted Ginn. I think that he gets you yardage. He's fun. And he's going to make it happen. And he could be a nuisance. He's not as consistent as I want him to be, nor is Michael Thomas. So I'd like to see them step up with that game a little bit more. But this can be the Michael Thomas show. And I think Cameron Meredith's going to help out Drew Brees a lot because Cameron Meredith's a bigger body guy. So I like what he could bring to the team here. He's 6'3", just like Michael Thomas. You got two 6'3 guys on the outside. Ted Ginn running <laughs> running in the slot. This is a dangerous type team. And I think they're good. they'll get their opportunities. Traquan Smith, I'd watch him. Because that UCF team was full of talent, and anybody that overlooked UCF is is a total moron. So I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. If you don't think that 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 team and what they did and the season that they had, seriously, if you can't give them respect or respects deserved, and watching Traquan in this group front and center in Orlando, there's some good stuff here. So just where watch Traquan. I don't necessarily think he's going to get drafted. Maybe down in our Florida League he will, but up in Central New York here, I don't know if people are going to know to circle him and draft him. So he might be out there for you to take if some things end up working in his favor. But, you know, Drew Brees is still getting, you know, people were worried he's got a good running game now. What does that mean for him as we move forward? Is he going to get opportunities, you know, to throw the ball and and be the Drew Brees that we need him to be in fantasy? Drew Brees is hanging on and carrying his own, and he is not, you know, hanging on by a pinky. He's got two hands on this thing, and he's about to jump back on the mountain. So, you know, with Drew, I think you're going to get what you're going to get fantasy-wise, he's going to continue to improve. I think this team overall has improved with the running game. It opens up Drew more, and it opens up the receivers more. And so, I mean, for me, if you draft Meredith, Ginn, or Thomas, I think there's value there. I'm not a big fan of Brandon Coleman and Traquan Smith. I just watch. Finally, Benjamin Watson. The man is here. Josh Hill, Michael Humanawanui. I wonder where he's from. And... (laughs) What do you think? Great Hawaiian name. I love it. Michael Humanawanui. So what do you think about Watson Hill and Humanawanui and what they can be? And, and if there is any value here? Well, Watson's 144 years old. So I think he's collecting <laughs> social security and playing in the NFL at the same time. Look, you can't argue with what he's done though. You know, he, he was successful, you know, so they brought him back, you know, ever since, you know, Jimmy Graham left. They've been challenged at this tight end position. Josh Hill was supposed to be the guy. He was supposed to be the heir apparent. He was supposed to step up, and it didn't happen. 
now they got to bring in old guys and uh, and guys from Hawaii and from all over the place just try to find something. They need a tight end. Look for them to bring in a tight end next year. Look for them to um, you know pare this down a little bit. It's going to be Ben Watson in some red zone situations. He's a number twenty. No, not number twenty. Is he number twenty? Let me double check this because I think it's no. He is. He's number twenty on my tight end rankings. And and you know what? Josh Hill doesn't even show up. So why you're going to see the name Josh Hill? Why you're going to see Humanama Ui? You know, you're going to see all this stuff every now and again because they spread the ball around in New Orleans. They share the ball. You don't know who to cover, and that's the beauty of what they do in New Orleans. That's the beauty of Drew Brees being able to spread the ball around and continue to march that field down. The, March that team down the field, but Ben Watson's your guy of note. He's a bottom end tight end too for you. Fifteen years in the NFL. The man was drafted in 2004, first round, 32nd overall, last pick of the first round by the New England Patriots. Then he went and played for the Cleveland Browns in the forgotten years. Then he went to New Orleans, and then he went to Baltimore for one season, and now he's back in New Orleans. And we know that Drew Brees likes to throw to his tight end. And Ben Watson, he's done some good things. And I'm surprised that Baltimore would let him go because he does give you some help. So, you know, he's good for a few touchdowns a season. He had four last season and six in his last season with the New Orleans Saints. So they brought him back. They brought him back for a reason. Obviously, they know that there's some talent there and there's some help there. And instead of going for a younger guy or drafting somebody, they went back to somebody that they had. So they went back to the one that they started with a few years ago. And here he is once again. So I think there is some value in Ben Watson if you are to draft him. He's not your number one. But he can be one of your guys. And Drew Brees is his quarterback, and Drew Brees throws to the tight end. So you got to look for – you can't just look at, well, what cor- what tight end do I like? Is he on my favorite team? Was he talented in college? You have to look at his quarterback because some guys like to use the tight end, some don't. Cam Newton, like I said, holds onto the ball a lot. But when he lets it go, he goes to Greg Olson. So there's a lot of value in Greg Olson. There's, a, there's value in guys like that. But there's other guys around the league where it's a toss-up. And then in Tampa Bay, they go under the radar because neither one of them is the main guy. But as we talked about before, Brayton Howard are both good. They both had six touchdowns last year. That's good for a tight end. So, I mean, for me, there is talent out there. You got to look for it. And I think there's more tight ends out there than maybe you would think at face value when you first look at the position. With that being said, Mike Sofka and I are – finished up here as we did our fantasy football power hour it went a little bit over because we're always trying to give you all the information we can we did the nfc south today the final piece of this to get you ready for your fantasy draft every week we have done a different division so that we could spend ample time on each of the four teams within that division and everybody got equal play Our final conversation is on the NFC North, which will include the Green Bay Packers, the Detroit Lions, the Chicago Bears, and the Minnesota Vikings as we get you set for your fantasy football season and your fantasy football draft coming up. Thank you so much for tuning in. Proudly brought to you by the Wildcats Sports Pub and the Penn and Trophy Center. Mike Sofka, as always, of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. I appreciate you, brother, and I'm going to be seeing you in a few weeks when we draft down in Orlando. Sounds good. All right, take care. Have a good day. All right. Take care.